Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, it's a joy and a privilege to have uh, Pastor Mario with us this morning, and, and Mary's here with him as well. It's great to have you both with us in church today. Come on. Uh, together they pastor Crimson Life Church in Sydney. For those that don't know Pastor Mario, he's also part of the executive of the CCA and uh, doing a great job. Uh, he's passionate about the kingdom of God. He's not afraid uh, to work hard, and uh, we've served uh, together for many years and uh, just... Uh, always passionate about the kingdom of God. He's got an incredibly creative gift. And he loves God. He loves to serve God and wants to see uh, God's church flourish. And it's just a privilege to have him share the word with us today. So would you give him a big, big, big warm welcome as he comes to minister the word today? Thank you. Thanks, Pastor Joe. Good morning, church. How are you? I feel like bit jealous all these mothers getting all this accolades and in our church we do the same thing and when it comes to men's father's day we always talk about they need to grow up and stand up and lead up and <laughs> amen so good to be here thanks pastor joe and lana for uh, inviting me i was um, um privileged to be here because it's mother's day and uh, it's also my mother's 87th birthday so that's really great and then, believe it or not, in a week's time, we're going to be celebrating 40 years of marriage with beautiful Mary. We met in this church, not in this location, in Queen Street. She was playing on the piano like they used to do. She had long, flowing hair and skinny. And I just saw her back and I fell in love with her back and I said, I'm marrying that girl. I went to her dad because he was a pastor of the church at that time, and I said, I'm really interested in your daughter. He goes, oh, that's good. There was a little bit of an age difference between my wife and I, and obviously you, you can't really tell that, you know, because I look heaps younger. But I went up to him and I said, look, I need to talk to you because I really like your daughter. And I said, I, yeah, I know she's still in, she was 16 at the time. I know uh, she's still in school. You probably get arrested nowadays for that sort of stuff. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, she was 16 at the time, and I said, I really like her. I'm tw 21 at the time, and I said, we probably need a little bit of time to get to know each other and, and get married. He said, no, you can get married next year. <laughs> oh, that's cool. All the young people who are going like, that's nuts. You actually, got, you actually did it. Yes, we actually did it. And we're celebrating 40 years. <laughs> Happy. Amen. Happy. I was blessed a while ago because I saw that in the church you celebrated children that had been in this church for five generations. You did that a while ago, Right. And I remember, um, it was just a couple of weeks before that, we saw our grandkids getting baptised. And I said to the church, my grandkids are five generations that are serving the Lord. And it's so good to be able to see that. And so good. Uh, you know, I've heard a pastor say that all the good things of his life have happened within the context of a church. And I want to say, you've got an amazing church here. You really do got a little bit of time to preach, so let's get into it, shall we? I want to say to you this morning, I, there's nothing impressive about me. There's nothing that I'm going to say of myself that is going to help you. 
but I do know someone who's very impressive and someone who changes the course of our life, and that's God and the Word of God. So I pray this morning that as I present the Word of God to you, in my limited ability, that God will take His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit will bring revelation to you, because that's what it's about. You know, some people come to church because they want to be entertained. We're not here to be entertained this morning. Some people want to hear a message so they can be entertained and get a joke out of it. And now I am a very funny person, but that's not what it's about. We're here to hear the Word of God. I said to our church a few weeks ago, I said, I'm going to stop actually sharing and just going to read from the Word of God. I'm going to do that for 45 minutes. And how many people are going to show up next week? Probably no one. But you know what you have in your hands is the closest thing to the Word of God directed completely to you and we neglect it. So this morning I pray that as I present this topic that God will reveal something to you by the power of His Word. So the title of my message this morning is God Is. It's a series that I've started in our church and I'm going to focus on one aspect of that this morning and I want to appeal to everyone here this morning who's hurting in some way those that are discouraged in some way, those of us that are worn out in some way. You, you, you've gone through a series of, of valleys and it seems like you can never get out of it. Some people say they're walking on the mountaintop, but for you it seems so far away. I believe that the Bible is the Word of God. They did a survey in America just recently and interviewed Christians and 76% of the Christians' response thought that the Bible is not the whole Word of God, but contains some of the Word of God, not the whole Word of God. That's shameful. 76% of the Christians believe that. I want to say to you that from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, it is the Word of God. Do I understand everything about it? No, I don't. Does some of it sort of stir me? Certainly does. Does some of it leave questions? Certainly does. But I want to say to you, that is the closest thing that we have to the revealed word. And that's the word of God, what God is saying. So I believe that the word of God will help you in whatever stage or season that you find yourself in. No matter what season you find yourself in. And so I'm appealing to those of us that are hurting, discouraged, worn out, disappointed. And, and you know, if you really want to be encouraged when you're in that position... I've got a text this morning that I'm going to read to you, and it's found in Lamentations chapter 3. Now, because of time, uh, I can't go through the whole chapter. I will focus on a few verses in a moment. But when you read Lamentations chapter 3, when you do, when you look at your own life compared to the prophet that's writing this, you're going to feel a whole heap better. Why? Because I reckon if you read the first 18 verses of Lamentations chapter 3 and you presented it in modern day language and I, for, uh, you know, for the, the sake of this message, have actually put it together in Mario Penguin's version, right? This is my version. People are a pain in the neck. Life isn't fair. My body's wrecked. I can't sleep. I'm broke. I'm, over, I'm overwhelmed with everything. I'm full of anxiety, I'm stressed to the max, and if I really want to be honest, sometimes I think that God doesn't even care about me. If you were to read those first 18 verses, that's what you would conclude. But then we get to verse 19, and all of a sudden, perspective begins to change. 
Verse 19, remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall, my soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. There's a song called Great Is Thy Faithfulness, and I could sing it, but I won't do that. Life is bad. Life is uh, discouraging. Sometimes we're at a point of depression. But then if I recall the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God, I have hope. I have hope. And this morning's message is really all about focusing on the mercy of God. This passage of Scripture talks about when everything is going wrong, when you feel like you're worn out, when you feel like you're burnt out, we need to recall to mind the mercy and compassion and the faithfulness of God. And when we do that, hope rises up. Amen. I want to focus on the mercy of God because I truly believe that people make God out in their own image. They create a God based on their own image. Sometimes they... When they consider God, they consider God according to what they want him to be. Oh, God is a God of love. Anybody agree with that? It wasn't a trick question, right? So you can say amen. God is good God. God is such a good God, he would never send anyone to hell. If God was a good God, you know, and they create all these ideologies of what God is like based on what is in their own heart, what they want him to be like. But I really believe with all my heart that unless you have a biblical view of the character of God, you will miss out certain aspects that will give you a distorted view of God and can certainly lead you down the garden path. God is many things. He is a loving God. Amen. He is righteous. Amen. He's holy. He's all-knowing. He knows everything you're thinking about right now. How many people would love to see their thoughts projected on the screen this morning? <laughs> you wouldn't want to see mine either. <laughs> he is everywhere. When no one's looking, he's watching you. It's comforting and discomforting at the same time. He's eternal. He's also gracious. He's compassionate. He's faithful and he is merciful. They are all distinct attributes of God that they do overlap, but they also quite distinct from each other. And I want to speak to you on the mercy of God, but mercy is also related to justice and grace. Justice. What is justice? It's when you get what you deserve. What is grace? Grace is when you... Get what you don't deserve. What is mercy? Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. And when it comes to people doing wrongs with others, we want justice. When it comes to us, we want mercies. So we're driving on the freeway. We've got a lot of freeways in Sydney, right? 
all cost a lot of heap of money, but you know. In Sydney, this is what happens. Here in Adelaide, you do it differently. If the speed limit is 60, here you do 58. Over there, if it's 60, you do 65. So you're on the freeway, and the freeway is 110, and everyone's going 115, right? I know it's not right, but that's what happens. And then someone, it's usually a P, do you have P plates here? It's always a P plate driver, I've noticed that. And in Sydney, it's always a P plate driver driving a ute. We're weaving through the traffic. My wife will be sitting next to me, she goes, how silly is that P plate driver? Where's the cops when you need them? And then when the cops pull me over for speeding, do you know what you're doing? Oh, speeding. Officer, officer, I've never sped in my whole life ever. Please, some mercy towards me because I promise you I'll never speed again. We want justice for others, but for us we want mercy. Mercy is an action. Uh, mercy in action is when we are guilty of something and instead of getting a punishment for it, or a conviction, we are shown mercy, and then we have nothing to answer for. I mean, we're guilty of doing something wrong. We are guilty. We deserve a conviction and a punishment, but we don't get any of that. We get the slate clean, and we leave the courtroom with nothing against our name. That's mercy. Paul brings to our attention what life was really like before Christ came into our life, before grace came our way, before mercy was shown to us, and that's found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 6. And you, and he's talking to you and me, and you, me, us, he made alive, who were dead in trespass and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now work, works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by, by nature children of wrath just as the others. See, before Christ, without Christ, before Christ came into our life, we were dead because of our disobedience and we lived a sin-stained life. As I was thinking about that this morning, it's not just a blotch of sin, but sin stained every aspect of our life. That's what Paul is saying. We lived a sin-stained life and we were children of wrath just like everyone else. Pastor Mario, who are you speaking about? The everyone else is the ones outside of the building this morning. In other words, we were just like everyone else. But I, I'm so glad it doesn't finish there because it says, verse 4, but God. Amen. See, we were just, we are just like everyone else. See, we're the faithful here this morning because we're good Christians. We go to church on Sunday and even Mother's Day we go to church. Give yourself a pat on the back for doing that. Amen. We were just like everyone else, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I love but God. My life was a mess, but God. Your life was a mess, but God. I mean, I, I thought, you know, I grew up in a church, in a church family, a Christian family. We were at church. I was playing violin when I was eight years old in church and uh, St. Peter's Church. What's it called over there? 
it's now called Life East, in that building over there, and playing violin. And I thought, like, you know, and my thought was this. I, I'm not a bad, I was never a bad guy. I was one of those good kids. I love God. But you know what? When we begin, begin to ask ourselves, do we really need God? Every single one of us needs the mercy of God. But God, who is rich in mercy. Sometimes we can conclude. In other words, God is a God of justice, but doesn't deliver justice on people. And you probably conclude God is not fair. Like, I, I didn't need, you know, if I stood before God in my own, you know, in my own strength and what I'd done, I'm like, God, you, you didn't really have to do too much for me. But those other guys at, you know, the guys at school, they used to smoke and do dope and do all that sort of stuff. You know, they used to be on the oval at the back, smoking away and cursing and carrying on. They need God. But God is saying, we all need him. It seems like God's not fair. But I want to say to you this morning, thank God he's not fair. God is so unfair because he doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us mercy. But he also gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us grace. But God who's rich in mercy, this word mercy uh, uh, is, uh, in the Greek, is, it's got this uh, uh, thought behind it, Elios is written in this present tense. In other words, God who continues in mercy is not just merciful on an occasion. He was, he is, and is always merciful. See, so many people see the God of the Old Testament as a God of laws and punishment. I mean, you could write some pretty horrific movies based on the Old Testament. And then people can conclude that the God of the New Testament is the pushover God. Thank God we're in the New Testament. Thank God we're in the Testament of love and grace. And we all have a wrong concept of God. See, they see in Genesis, we see the creation and the fall of man. And in Revelation, then they see the judgment of man, that man is banished to hell forever. But I want to say, if we look in Genesis, we see a God who created everything. And he said after he created it all, he said it's good. And then he created Adam. And he said he's very good. And God said to Adam, be fruitful, multiply, and enjoy everything that I've created except from the tree of life. And you know the story. What does Adam do? He falls into sin and he does exactly what God asked him not to do. Now a God of justice would have come in and, and if he wasn't merciful, would have stricken them out because that's what they deserved because they were children of disobedience. But what does God do? He shows mercy. How does he show his mercy? He gets a, a lamb, or we believe it's a lamb, but an animal. He, he slaughters the animal, sheds the blood, and he covers the nakedness of Adam and Eve. But an animal was killed. See, Genesis, if you have a look at it from chapter 3, begins with the mercy of God. And then in Revelation 21 to 22, when God is creating a new heaven and new earth, God is making everything new. The mercy of God has new, is new every morning that started in Genesis and will finish in Revelation. God has always been merciful. God is a God of justice. He's righteous. 
but he's also merciful. We all know the sin of King David, and I believe you're probably thinking about Bathsheba right now. But there's another sin that David committed, and God said to him, David, I want you to rely on my strength. When you go into battle, it's my strength. I don't want you to, to ever count the amount of people that are with you. So what does David do? He does the complete opposite of what God asked him to do. So he has a census and he starts counting the people. When the prophet goes to see him in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 14, David said to God, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord. Listen carefully, for his mercies are great. But don't let me fall into the hand of man. Wow. So in other words, he would rather fall into the mercy of God and God do what you will with me than fall into the mercy of man because David understood that God is merciful. God is merciful, but how, do we, how are we? We tend not to be. We tend to be narrow-minded, tend to be judgmental, hypocritical. And we often show no mercy. And I believe Christians should be able to show mercy because we've received mercy and often we show no mercy. A couple of weeks ago I was in Adelaide and all our COVID restrictions are lifting and so I show up at the airport and I don't have a mask. I'm walking around and I notice a few people didn't have a mask there. So I thought I'd better go and buy one otherwise I'll get kicked off the plane. And I bought one. It cost me $14. Uh, anyway, I got on the plane. I was prepared because the flight's about an hour and a half and I got a, a real good Christian book to read. And um, the plane was full and sat down. And next to me there was an older lady and I thought, uh, I'll start reading my book. So I, I got my book out of my bag, which was between the seat. And um, I had my mask on, but it wasn't all the way up. You know, when you're wearing a mask but not wearing a mask. <laughs> all the mask wearers this morning go, yes, we know those people. <laughs> and so my mask is down here for a reason. Because if I want to read my book, my glasses fog up. Anyway, the plane hadn't taken off yet, and the lady next door to me said, excuse me, sir, could you please put the mask above onto your nose? And I said, um, I can't read. I said, my glasses all fog up. She goes, well, you need to get a proper mask. <clears throat> so I put my mask above, and I tried to read for a bit to the point I was holding my nose so that I would just breathe through my mouth and my glasses wouldn't fog up. And I did that for about, I don't know, 10 minutes. And I was, then I was so frustrated. I thought, that's it. I'm going to take my glasses off, put my book in, back in the bag and put it underneath the seat so this lady next to me could understand I'm a little bit frustrated with all of this. And then I thought, you know what? I'm thinking they're going to bring some food soon. I'm going to order everything on the menu 
So for the next half hour, an hour and a half, I'm going to be eating with no mask on. And then I'll show her. I'm a pastor, by the way. You'd think I'd know better. Anyway, um, I didn't have any food. I just stared ahead, and I'm thinking in my head, when we get off the plane, she's going to ask me something. She's going to say something to me. And I'm trying to work out what it is I'm going to respond back to her. Obviously, everyone starts eating. I'm not eating. The lady next, because she was in the middle seat, the lady next to her was eating without a mask on. So I'm thinking, like, one of my responses was going to be, uh, excuse me, ma'am, did you feel really uncomfortable with that lady next to you eating with no mask on? Or I thought, how did you feel with half of the plane eating and celebrating and uh, they all had no mask on? So I'm thinking all these things in my head. And then I'm having this battle within me, thinking, can you show a bit of mercy towards this lady? Maybe she's really sick and she's fearful. Maybe she's afraid of traveling. And all you're worried about is making a scene. And all you're worried about is about yourself. All you're worried about is how you feel and how it affects you. See, you'd think I'd know better. I've been in ch- I'm 62. I've been in church all my life. We can be narrow-minded, judgmental, hypocritical, and often show no mercy. David was given the instructions to build the temple. But he wasn't allowed to build it. I, I feel sorry for him because here's this guy. He, God gave him all the plans on how he's going to build this temple. And King David had to, pro- had to provide the provisions, the finances to build the temple. But he wasn't to build it. His son was. I think that, oh, he got a raw deal. But God was specific about everything. The materials to be used. How the temple needed to be constructed. The, the, the portico, the entry, the storeroom. Everything was in detail and had to be made to the detail. But at the very center of the temple was this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. It was made of pure gold and it was covered with a wooden chest. Uh, It was a wooden chest covered in gold and it had an elaborate lid called the mercy seat. And within the Ark, there were two stone tablets which we know to be the Ten Commandments. We got a picture of that? That's, that's, That's beautiful. When you, when you get the meaning of that Ark of the Covenant, is at the back? It's up there. When you, when you look at that picture and you understand who God is, that picture there, we, well, what a be- I'd love to have that in my lounge room. But the Ark of the Covenant is a physical repre- representation of God's love for humanity. On the mercy seat is two cherubims, angels, with outstretched wings, and the wings touch each other as they hover over the mercy seat, just underneath their wings, that flat part of the lid there, that is known to be the mercy seat. 
it's quite interesting that when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the, uh, the Garden of Eden, do you know who stood guard over the garden? It was a cherubim with a blazing sword to keep them out. So in Genesis, they guarding the, the Garden of Eden, the place where God's presence was, and then on the Ark of the Covenant, here they are with angels, with angels' wings stretched, they're touching each other, representing the presence of God. Now on the, on the Day of Atonement, the priest would come in and he would actually sprinkle blood with his finger on the mercy seat. So this picture here is pretty much a description of the, the, the justice of God, a righteous God, the mercy of God, and the grace of God. The stone tablets that represent a holy and righteous God, yet we are sinful. The mercy seat and the sprinkling of blood represents a God of justice because there's punishment for our sin and blood needs to be shed. But then there's the mercy of God. We were guilty and deserved punishment and we appeal to his mercy. And the cherubim represent the grace of God who hovers over us with his presence, with his glory and with his power. We're so undeserving of the grace of God and the favor of God and the presence of God and the glory of God. God told specifically to King David that the very center of the house of God was going to be the mercy seat. The Salvation Army, I'm not sure if they still have, they would have a mercy seat at the front of the auditorium. So the message would be preached and you would be listening to it and, and the Word of God is powerful to convict hearts that gets us to respond and we have an altar call, but they would ask, would you like to come and sit at the mercy seat. Usually it was just a bench on the front, on the front, just in front of the front row where people would come and hearing the message would appeal to the mercy of God and will sit on that mercy seat pleading guilty as charged. But we repent and appeal to the mercy of God. See, mercy needs to be center of everything the center of our life. In James chapter 2, verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, but mercy, and we can concur with this, triumphs over judgment. And as a room was allocated in the very center of the house of God for His mercy, so too we, me, you, all together, we need to make room in our life for the mercy of God, to receive His mercy and to be able to give room to mercy to other people. And I want to say to you this morning, come as you are. Come with doubts, come with fear, come with insecurities, come with sin, come with brokenness, come with dysfunction. I've got a psychiatrist in our church and he's a Christian, he loves God and I, I love chatting to him and just talking about stuff and and I said to him, you know, the more I live, the more I realize we're all dysfunctional in some way. And some of you say, no, it's not me, Pastor Morris. <laughs> Give us some time. Your dysfunction will come out. There's so much of our life that's not right. 
And we can try in our own efforts to make it right. But I want to appeal to you this morning. God has provided a way out. It's his mercy seat that we come and sit at the mercy. He's a just God. And just as we get what we deserve, but he's a God of grace. And we get what we don't deserve. We get a new life. We get the blessings of God. We get the promise of God. We get hope. We don't always get answers to our prayers. But we have an eternity with Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. With all our tears will be wiped away. He gives us hope. We don't deserve that. You can't do anything to make it up to God to be able to inherit that. Because we get the mercy of God. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for our sacrificial lamb who paid the debt of our sin when he was sinless. The very lamb of God that he provided, his very own son, perfect sacrifice, knew no sin, but took our sin, paid our debt, took our brokenness and redeemed us from the penalty of death and shame. Which would be upstanding this morning. There's, there's so much in our lives that doesn't work. There's so much in our life that we get wrong. And sometimes you, you look at your life and you think like, where am I heading? What's going on? What's, where's God in all of this? And we look at the circumstance right around the world at the moment. We look at everything that we've been through in the last couple of years and everyone's done it tough. Pastors have done it tough. People who have lost loved ones have done it tough. And it's just been awful and you think you know what's going on I don't know about you but as I was thinking you know how do we keep our church functioning during these two years and we lost our building we weren't able to meet anymore and all that sort of stuff and and you're thinking God what's going on you look at your own personal life and sometimes I think like you know I'm still struggling with this I thought this was beat a long time ago We can have 18 verses of all the things that aren't right in our life. But then when you get to verse 19, remember my affliction and my roaming, the wormwood and the gall. In other words, distress to the point of death. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord's mercy, we are not consumed. We stand here this morning, not based on your goodness, but based on the mercy of God. Because His compassion fails not. Though I knew every morning, great is your faithfulness. God has always been just, but He's also merciful. Say to you this morning, are you discouraged, downcast? You're feeling beat? You feel like, oh, this is really hard. I, oh, I was led to believe when you came to Christ, everything's going to be good, everything's going to be perfect, and every, you're not going to have any problems, you're not going to have any struggles, but I realize it's not like that. <laughs> what we get, we get forgiven of our sin, but we have a battle that goes on, challenges that we face all the time. Sometimes it's just hard going. 
And when it's just hard going, I want to ask you this morning, recall to mind of the mercy of God. He's compassionate and great is God's faithfulness. Amen. What a great word. What a great passage uh, from the Bible. You know, Jeremiah was not in a good place. Um, He was uh, very discouraged and he was down. And the more he thinks about it, the worse he gets. But then he starts to remember some things. Yet this I call to mind. And as he remembers certain things, hope starts to rise. What does he remember? He remembers the mercy of God. And he remembers the faithfulness of God. And as he thinks about the mercy of God and the faithfulness of God, hope starts to rise in him. And there are some of you here today, and you're down and you're discouraged. The more you think about it, the worse it's getting because our thoughts affect how we feel, what we do. And the more you think about it, the the lower you sink. Can I encourage you today, as Mario has shared, just remember the mercy of God. Remember the mercy of God. And remember the faithfulness of God because He will see you through by His grace and for His glory. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next week or next month, but He will see you through. Why? Because He's a merciful God and He is a faithful God. And by His grace, He will see us through. And Father, we just thank You for Your Word and we thank You for Your mercy and we thank You for Your grace and we thank You for Your faithfulness. I just pray for those that hearts have resonated with the message today. Those who are down, discouraged. Those who just don't see any hope. I just pray that this word would become a revelation. That you're a merciful God. You're a faithful God. You're going to see me through. You're a merciful God. You're a faithful God. You're going to see me through. And that that would become a revelation in our hearts. And that we would see your love manifest in our hearts and in our lives. Be glorified today, we pray. Let the devil be put to shame. Your name lifted high. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Amen.